We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. There's ghosts haunting these woods. And they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No. It's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and hats, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. Hello everyone, welcome to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by MyBookie on the FFPC. My name's Colin Kelly, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Sean Siegel, my co-host here on the show. Uh, and of course, Sean, we are here, we are ready for week one. We were excited for week one of the preseason. That seems a long, long time ago now as we're ready for week one of the real deal. Excited for week one, Sean? We're just a day away. Tomorrow now, the big game. And uh, for a lot of us in leagues where you can start or sit those players based on how they do in that game, it's a very exciting game because uh, it will also affect some drafts that happen on Friday, Saturday, uh, which is always kind of amusing. doesn't necessarily seem like the way it should be, but it is a very fun uh, draft element, uh, seeing the difference between those drafts that happen before the Thursday night game and those drafts that happen on that Friday and Saturday time period. So certainly excited about Packers Bears. And then just a couple days later, we get Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs for the 2019 football season. And, uh, you know, if you're a football fan, if you're a Chiefs fan, uh, if you're a fantasy football fan in particular, nothing gets much more exciting than seeing the Chiefs open up their new season. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a super exciting season. Um, and you mentioned the Bears and the Packers. Obviously, I'm super excited for that being a Packers fan. So it should be, uh, you know, you always sometimes you want that kind of nice, easy, soft game to start off the season. And the other part of it is maybe you know playing that Bears defense. Maybe they're not a hundred percent 
at the very first game of the season so it's always that one do you want to, to have it earlier do you want to wait a little while but a uh, tough start to the season excited for that to see what the, the Packers can do on offense uh, you mentioned obviously the Chiefs and so on and obviously it was a, a big big week in terms of the, the last week of the Chiefs with Sean McCoy getting cut by the Bills and then moving over so we'll talk a little bit about that in a moment but Sean mentioned there uh, obviously the week one and the Sunday games this week I'm actually going to miss the majority of the Sunday games unfortunately because I'll be going uh, on my vacation to uh, San Diego so looking forward to that but going to miss uh, a couple of the games on Sunday I'll have to catch them on, on Game Pass but the reason I'm bringing that up now at the start of the show is uh, next week we've actually already recorded next week's show it was a super fun one that we recorded with Davis Maddock uh, we recorded it last week and that's going to be coming out next week we've made some off our week one predictions so you'll have a fun time listening back to see what we got right or what we got wrong uh, and lots more stuff but a really good show we talked a lot about the waiver wire how to manage your in-season roster and so on so that is one next week that I'm super excited for you to hear um, and then the week after that it will be a late week show it'll be coming out probably on Friday as I come back then for vacation uh, from that'll be ahead of week three so just a little kind of a show note there at the start but Sean over the over the last week obviously you know I, I mentioned there you know our predictions I think one of your predictions was uh, on Darwin Thompson and how he was going to do in week one so maybe that Sean McCoy trade has maybe affected that a little bit to see how it goes maybe it'll still come true but we have the likes of like you know the, the running back position has just shifted so much we have the, the Zeke contract uh, we have the situation with Melvin Gordon unlikely to play we have the situation then with McCoy and how it's shaken up there in both Buffalo and Kansas City so has it been uh, has it been you know an unusual week i think you know we're going to get used to this with the way the nfl rosters now cut down so close to this season it used to cut down you know in two steps but um a really really big shift in the landscape uh, just right before the fantasy football and the nfl season i think the the big move that really affects fantasy football is simply what the chiefs are doing there because when we've had all of these discussions you know throughout the offseason about damian williams can he hold on to that job you know what is the danger if any from carlos hyde and most people feel like well hyde is not a particularly good football player anymore but maybe in this kansas city offense and then we very quickly see a situation where darwin thompson and perhaps even some of the other chiefs backups had outplayed him so significantly that we knew hyde was going to go so then he ends up in houston however that still didn't mean the chiefs were okay with where they were and when the bills make a decision that i expected them to make the day before this the zero running back update came out and pointed out that you want to look at devon singletary because they're going to uh, clear the runway to an extent for him uh, in the same way that the browns did with nick chubb last season now singletary probably not that much upside and he certainly still has frank gore there and a lot of the reports suggest that frank gore will still be the guy who gets a very high number of the touches early on in the season but then that has the trickle down and impacts the chiefs where they do decide to sign mccoy because of that connection andy reed and because the chiefs evidently think that he still has something left and you know, we, we saw with Damian Williams how much difference it can make moving from one of these weak AFC offenses to Kansas City. So certainly there's something to that. Uh, you know, we talked all throughout the season that Williams, while one of our favorites, a guy with plus athleticism, a guy who looked at least as good as Kareem Hunt in this particular offense was someone that because of his background was a narrow moat kind of back someone where it would be difficult for him if anything went the wrong way for him to hold a starting job well now we've seen it even before the season starts so 
I still have taken Thompson in a main event uh, that happened subsequent to that. Certainly with the right price, we'll be looking at McCoy and, and Williams still profiles as the best guy in that offense, the person who probably will score the most points. So, you know, you don't want to take him off of your board entirely, but in terms of the moves, I think that bills Chiefs situation is certainly the one that jumps out for me. Were there any uh, sort of below the radar moves that, that you're really looking at maybe for the bottom of your roster as we go into week one uh, no somebody who actually was picking up very very late in some of my drafts was uh you know frank gore and you know just as an off chance that I, I did think there was a chance that uh, LaShawn mccoy could get cut and i don't think gore is going to offer much value but when you're getting into kind of the 19th 20th round i thought there was values there obviously with garden holding out it gives us that zero rb advantage uh, with the the la chargers but the big news for me was obviously zeke coming back that kind of crushes uh, you know the the late hope there that was coming through for uh, a major cash cash bonus uh, but zeke coming back and changes the cowboys backfield back to what we thought it was before the season i think and unless there's an injury to him uh, pollard will be in a very limited role if, if any any at this point in the season so not a huge amount the the majority of it there was the the situation with mccoy uh, i think it does does hurt williams value uh, quite a bit especially with the the limited work we've seen with him in the past but maybe mccoy is maybe mccoy has passed it we'll we'll soon know in a a couple of weeks and it'll be interesting to see but a good move there by by the chiefs Uh, just before we get into the rest of the show i want to let the listeners know as always about rotoviz patreon and you can gain exclusive access to the rotoviz radio slack channel where you can talk about subjects like this there was a lot of talk over the the last couple of days about switches to the rosters and where we should be taking players at current adp uh, and those drafts that we were doing um, and and again league one advice from many of the podcast and writing team with patreon ships starting from just six dollars a month become a rotoviz radio patreon today and join the exclusive community of listeners sign up at patreon.com forward slash rotoviz radio we also want to remind you you can get a 10 percent listener discount to a rotoviz nfl pass through the podcast homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast that subscription gives you unlimited access to all of our content and tools and best of all it helps support the pod and for a limited time only we mentioned this on last week's show you can get a two-year rotoviz nfl sub which includes a 10 percent discount and complimentary access to rotoviz radio patreon uh, to that slack channel for the 2019 season get that through the rotoviz radio homepage that is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast once again that is a two-year sub 10 percent off plus slack access and that is all set up at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast so sean jumping into the second quarter this is one that i wanted to bring up it's one of my favorite tools on the site dave has been working his magic again that's dave caven uh, and then he has been working on the game level similarity projections app uh, this is one that i use each season and really enjoy it to try and gain advantage uh, you know to give that information using the historical data of similar range of players with a, a potential range of outcomes uh, and dave again has been added once again uh, sean is the is the glsp app is that one of the ones that you tend to take into account for for your weekly your weekly lineups it is it's always good to see what distribution of outcomes we've had from some players who have been similar in the past and so the way that dave goes about doing this is he matches both the player with historical players who have very similar profiles and he matches the defense with historical defenses that have very similar profiles and then he looks at the 50 most common games so once you have those 50 games with these matches then you can see what players have done and while you don't want to take that as something that's set in stone something that's definitely going to happen it gives you a feel for what's reasonable it gives you a feel for what's 
realistic, and that can help you calibrate your expectations. Now, you certainly want to take other information that you know into account, right? The Gillespie app doesn't take into consideration, you know, who just has suffered a minor injury or if this particular team has changed their scheme or any of a variety of other types of things like that, that you know that the app doesn't know. But the tool is very helpful for letting you get a sense of of what you might expect. And that can be helpful as you try and decide between different positions with flex options. And as you put that into consideration with maybe some other things that have popped up, like Dave has also put together a fantastic strength of schedule streaming tool for us to use. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Given that, and given the both the flexibility and the limitations of the Gillespie app, uh, Colm, tell us a little bit about Saquon Barkley and how he looks for this first week as an example. Yeah, so one of the players, Dave, is used here is uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously going up against the the, the Cowboys this week, and uh, Zeke should be on the field for that one as well. But what, what a lot of what I like about this app is when you look, you know, you read the news stories, sometimes you get overhyped and you start to think of it just as a you know you're you get too enthusiastic and i find it's very good for tempering expectations where i also find it's very good is for if there's a player maybe that you're a little bit too low on and it can make a player stand out that maybe you should be looking a little bit more at in that particular game week so looking at barkley this week what, what dave has done is he basically goes through it picks up uh, as you've mentioned there you know it doesn't take into consideration injuries lineups things like that but what it does take into consideration is finding matchups for the the particular player in question so similar kind of outcomes for a player of the similar nature then it finds similar matches for opposing defenses and then it combines the two of those together so basically then what it does after that is step four is to stick all those into the algorithm and pick out the best matching uh, performances and that to give you what we would expect to be that outcome so uh, and this and the 50 strongest matching games which a player like Barkley faced an opposing defense similar to the Cowboys the average line was uh, 16.7 carries so we could round that up to 17 carries uh, 77 yards 4.5 yards an attempt for 0.6 of a touchdown and then 5.9 targets so obviously if you're getting into the six target range that's somewhere where you'd expect Barkley to be but he lands then uh, for that in terms of fantasy points at 19.5 fantasy points now looking at it some people will be projecting obviously this season and would be saying that's a disappointing game potentially for Saquon Barkley but that's where when you're coming into the season it, it does really break it down into kind of the, the the very simplest element in terms of what it could be so in terms of like what you would expect Sean going into Saquon Barkley looking into this season if you're taking him with that 101 pick and you see it then if he finishes week one with a 19 and a half point game where's your expectations for the rest of the season do you think week one that would be a really good result uh, if this proves to be the 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 amount of points he slots in with or do you think you'd be slightly disappointed i think you would have to be happy with that one of the things that we know is that it's very difficult for players even running backs like a barkley to continue to average above that 20 point level that's one of the reasons why Le'Veon bell has been so successful anytime that he's not holding out he is consistently in that 23 plus range which again is very difficult to do something that we saw with david johnson just last year where johnson got the workload that we're looking for and still only averaged in the 16 point range which obviously is not a bad score but it's it's quite a ways down from this 20 plus i think the cool thing here when you're looking at the projection is that you can look and see what the range is and uh, for people who maybe would be disappointed with those 19 and a half points dave points out that uh, probably 27 percent of these 50 strongest matches actually did score 
more than 25 points in that game and so that's a huge number and i think that gets you excited for the upside when you know that upside exists if you then get the 19 and a half points i think you end up being a little disappointed but the reason that you are drafting a player like barkley you know beyond just the obvious fact that he scores a ton of points is that you have access to you have exposure to the really big games it's not that they're going to happen every week when you have a christian mccaffrey and with mccaffrey it was kind of interesting because so many of those were really stacked in uh at the end of the season last year to give you this sense that he has this you know 25 30 point upside in in every single game but you just want to have a player on your roster who in his big games can score those huge numbers of points so i think that the tool is telling us here that barkley yes he does fit into that category he has potential for a huge upside game here and so you go into week one and, and as a fan and as a fantasy owner you're definitely hoping that he does hit in that very top area yeah and when you look at it you mentioned there there's 27 percent of uh, those 50 games ended up with more than 25 points and just three percent of them scored less than 10 points so you know the the range of outcomes is very positive it does give you kind of a, an outcome of what to expect versus the the upper end of the projection and the lower end of the projection but obviously Saquon Barkley if you've drafted him you're not really checking in on his numbers to see if you're starting him for week one but you know if you're playing DFS and you have two players that you're looking against each other can be very important there and if you have a lineup that it's maybe your wide receiver two or wide receiver three versus your wide receiver four wide receiver five who should you start this week it's a very good tool to to slot in there i find as well things like tight end can be a a huge advantage there as well to see how they have historically produced in those so uh, really good work there by dave and anyone that hasn't used the app before make sure you get involved this season get on uh, that their glsp app and um, obviously get ready for the nfl season Allow me a brief second to tell you about our good friends over at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. Those of you who are ready for your greatest challenge yet, take a look at this year's FFPC main event. What exactly is the main event? It's the world's biggest event in season-long fantasy football, and this year it's coming to you with over half a million dollars in that grand prize. And obviously then that means there's a huge grand prize pool. That is $3.1 million. Drafts are going off every day and will continue through the start of the end nfl season or until the main event is sold out the ffpc will also have hundreds of online drafts through next saturday september 7th so that's this coming saturday if you're looking for a last minute draft check out their draft lobby now once again that is my ffpc the home of season-long high stakes fantasy football this season we've also partnered with my bookie and of course we tell you on the show about how we are big big fans of placing our wagers over there at my bookie and uh, obviously it will be no different this season it is week one i'm going to have some action on those games really excited about it and uh, there's no better place to do it than my bookie i go to my bookie because it's fast it's easy and they pay when you win let's face it when you're betting it's just as important who you're betting with as who you're betting on that's why we use my bookie do the smart thing if you're going to bet this football season get on over to my bookie now and if you use the promo code rotoviz you can get yourself a nice bonus to start off they will match your first deposit up to one thousand dollars and that is simply by going to the website putting in the code rotoviz getting ready for the season a thousand dollar bonus if you go up as high as that but they will double that first deposit once again that is my bookie and then of course do not forget that promo code rotoviz bet win get paid Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, 
but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. So, Sean, there's two pieces we're going to look at here now in the third and fourth quarter. Pretty, pretty similar, some crossover in them, but lots of players to get excited about. So we're going to look first at a great piece Blair has up on the website and it's very very simple it is the wrong read it is number 59 we've talked about the wrong read if you haven't been reading them already head on back to number one and work your way through them but number 59 is what we're talking about here today and uh, it's simple in terms of the the head headline that he has on it it's good players are good the wide receiver edition so it's pretty pretty simple there if you draft the good players you'll do well in your fantasy football season um so when looking through it he's obviously looking at rookie year efficiency he's talking about not fading efficiency and efficiency being a key metric that we look at you know in those first and second seasons in the nfl just sean for you in terms of uh, your research how important and blair has done fantastic work and you know efficiency and looking through it but how important is that first and second year efficiency we often see you know we talk we're going to talk a little bit later about the, the breakouts that could come with it but when you're looking at like first and second year how, how important is that to have those early breakout years well, it plays a big role, right? And we've talked about this a little bit on the show. Blair and his article actually mentioned our show a couple of weeks ago with Ben Gretsch and a little bit of the discussion that we had there about efficiency. And there's a lot of talk in fantasy circles about how certain types of efficiency doesn't predict itself, right? Or they don't predict themselves. So that's obviously a concern if you're looking at something and saying, okay, well, this guy, he had this huge touchdown percentage and we're going to go after him again because we want those touchdowns. If you're drafting a Calvin Ridley or you're drafting a Mike Williams, you're not necessarily drafting him this season because they scored a ton of touchdowns last year and you think that they're going to have that same insane touchdown rate again. But you might be drafting them because you feel like it's a positive sign about their overall quality as a player and that their volume will increase as a result, that they may be more involved in the offense as they develop as NFL players. And what Blair has done in his research is show that this is in fact the case. The players who have plus efficiency and the efficiency metric that we really like to use on the site because it translates directly into fantasy football is points above expectation right so based on the volume based on where a player gets touches on the field we can look at the number of expected fantasy points they would have and then you can see how many points they actually do have and whether or not they've outperformed that what blair has done in his article is shown that players specifically in this case rookie wide receivers when they have points above expectation when they have positive efficiency as rookie that carries over to the into their second season in a number of ways the very most straightforward one is that rookie receivers with positive efficiency outscore those with negative efficiency by 55 points in their second season which certainly is not an insubstantial amount they also outperform in both volume and efficiency in year two and so that's something that we want to take into consideration as at least one sign or one indicator when we're looking at our breakout wide receiver list now the other thing that he looks at in this article this is really building off of his research from 2018 is that 
it isn't just the case for rookies. Now, uh, many readers have gone through and they have seen my series where I do the breakout wide receivers by year because breakout wide receivers actually have very different profiles depending upon if you're talking about their second year, their third year, their fourth year, their fifth year. And we want to target these specific elements that help us find breakouts for the level of experience that those players have. What Blair has done in this article is something really cool where he's actually shown that it's not just for those second year players where this element makes a difference. Yeah, and it obviously when you're looking through it, the, the difference that really stands out is when you know you get the first year and the second year and there's that efficiency. A lot of these players then when you're getting to the third year, uh, the fantasy points over expectation, it mightn't seem like a huge difference, but when you get to a third year and those players, like re- re- realistically the value in those is going to be you know quite a few rounds in ADP. So specifically as well, if you're looking at these players from a dynasty angle, it's very important if you're factoring that into their value for moving players or acquiring players and trying to, to do those projections moving forward. Forward. now some of the players that he's obviously mentioned that he expects to have big years we have touched on quite a few of them before for the road of his readers and the road of his listeners you'll be familiar with the names that a lot of the guys on the site will have similar expectations for some of these players but there's a few there's a few here that maybe we haven't talked about but obviously the first one is put in as dj moore and he said you know he's, he's gonna be surprised if he doesn't break out this year Cortland sutton's another one that we had on christian kirk from last year was somebody who we really liked and he made an interesting point that he only played 12 games but his 16 game pace would actually put him uh, give him more ppr points than dj moore would have had so you know how much we like more uh, and then obviously with christian kirk falling there somebody you mentioned a couple of weeks ago sean that fell into the this kind of range for him and he says that age is the only flag and that is uh, anthony miller so anthony miller is heading in uh, to his second season but already 24 years old so if you're looking at the you know the breakout age um he's already 24 which may surprise some listeners uh, you have dante pettis traquan smith who going back to last year i know you were a fan of uh, and then robert foster as well who's also 24 so there's a you know you're getting a, you could be getting a great value there on foster if things work out right and then the guys that there's there's no real surprise you have chris godwin there uh, mike williams is there as well in terms of efficiency too you know you're, you're talking about the efficiency metric how does that efficiency go you've also said earlier in the show about the touchdowns and can they continue that touchdown efficiency well the most efficient wide receiver on the list is actually mike williams but his efficiency has been mainly through uh, touchdowns but somebody still who had a you know high draft capital has the opportunity now there with uh, you know a bit of a, a change um, with uh, the gazelle moving over to Oakland uh, in terms of uh, the wide receiver position and you have just him and Keenan Allen and then Hunter Henry so Mike Williams is in a prime spot at the moment and D.D. Westbrook is the other one and you know I've, I've talked up D.D. Westbrook a number of times so looking through them Sean was there anyone that maybe i'm pretty sure there's none of them that are going to surprise you with it with all the research that's been put in but was there any of them that stood out i know anthony miller was somebody who you give a, a quick kind of shout out uh, a couple of weeks ago on the show yeah and speaking of our partnership with the ffpc and the possibility that you know you might still be considering a draft and again referring to some of our comments with ben a little while back i had a main event draft a couple of days ago where i actually did make a move away from my normal i had the fifth pick david johnson sitting there decided to go in that direction as it came back around all of the wide receivers were gone i had the opportunity to take Stephon diggs in the second round but decided to go with a little bit more of a, a higher risk approach and take todd Gurley. coming back in the third round diggs was gone and so another back we've talked about a lot carry on johnson went ahead and make the play there and then coming back <laughs> in the fourth round 
went with a tight end. And so you get very deep into the draft without a wide receiver and it reinforces again. And I just can't make this point strongly enough, but wide receiver is not deep, right? Especially if you're playing in any format where you're going to have to start more than two. And so I get into the middle of the draft and I know I've put together a team that as opposed to being anti-fragile is actually hyper-fragile. It's going to depend on a lot of things going right. But if those things do go right at running back, I certainly want to be in position that I still have a chance based on the wide receiver selections. And I'm into the range where most of the targets are very unappealing. And so that's where I go back to this key element of really wanting to target those second year breakout wide receivers and specifically some of the breakout wide receivers who might be undervalued uh, either overall or in the moment. And so you mentioned Cortland Sutton, you mentioned Dante Pettis, you mentioned Anthony Miller. Those were three guys that I took in three consecutive rounds at wide receiver 42, 48, and 51. And I think that we're going to see them have a little bit of a bounce as the season gets going. It wasn't too long after the draft that you know, the, the 49ers depth chart comes out and, and Pettis is still there in the first position. And, you know, we're starting to get a little bit of a sense that really Kyle Shanahan is just playing mind games there, that Pettis may still be this big breakout candidate for an offense that we expect to be at least a little bit more high powered this season. Anthony Miller, obviously struggling with injuries and how that relates to this bears offense that wants to take a big step forward, but also wants to get a lot more complicated, right? And so, you know, does he have the rapport with Mitchell Trubisky who's trying to take that jump so we'll see how that works out obviously Miller if in fact he does play I took Taylor Gabriel really late again to try and get some exposure to that Bears game where you know if they should get a long touchdown if they're more involved than we expect them to be then you can sub them into the lineup but I think that those guys are very good values at that point and you know we talk a lot on the show about the second year being the one year where player scoring actually jumps. And almost every other season, you're going to expect any high-scoring players to not really be able to maintain that. But we have this jump for the second-year guys. You've got someone like Cortland Sutton, who, if he were in a slightly different offense, I think people would be, you know, he would be going in that DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley sort of range where people think that he could have a massive breakout season. You're talking about a big athletic guy who did some positive things as a rookie, had some great numbers on his, you know, college profile. We're going to talk about him again here in a second when we go to my article on the second year breakout players. And so it's not that there's a guarantee. I mean, if, if some of the red flags weren't there, then he would be going earlier. But if you get stuck or if you make the, you know, frankly, questionable decision like I made in this draft where you do go running back early, then you want to have exposure to some of these second year breakout players. They're your only real opportunity to have the kinds of wide receivers that you'll need to be competitive. Yeah. And some people may have thought that uh, Sean's account was hacked when he started off with three three running backs. But is that the only time this uh, offseason, Sean, that that's happened? It's the only time. And it's, it's really <laughs> the only time ever. I, I haven't done it before. And uh, have several more big drafts coming up won't do it again uh but you know I, I do like to do some things that are a little bit different from time to time and, and you see the values come in a range where you know the running backs have this 20 plus point per game profile and the receivers are down quite a bit lower then again i i always recommend drafting points and one of the things that we've seen consistently certainly in best ball formats but in other formats is that people are buying running backs because of the market not because of the points that they're going to score and 
I you definitely do not want to do that. But if you have an opportunity to hit some of your top guys, and that's that's the thing that I always recommend against too, though, right, is that we always think that our guys are going to be the ones who don't fit into the historical trends. When you look at the win rates for running backs in rounds three, rounds four, that kind of thing, and they're incredibly low, and then you see a carry on Johnson, you're like, well, this guy is the exception. But, but that's also the thing that makes fantasy football fun. You do need to be willing to go out there. And if you've got a guy that you want that you think you know is a mid-second round choice, then there's no reason to avoid him just because of some of these structural elements. You do have to be willing to have the guts to make your call and make your play in those moments in the draft you know, for this whole project to be as fun as it's supposed to be. So Sean, moving in now to your article, and we're looking at third-year wide receiver breakouts. So we were talking a little bit about second years there. Third year's a year that we used to, you know, dynasty third-year wide receiver breakout used to be one of the big things, you know, in terms of like if we look at rookie wide receivers now, they can drop in value so quickly. And, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, those guys would hold their values for quite some time, always hoping for that third-year breakout. But I want to I want to start off first with the the guy here who you say is like a lit round value and I've you know you've mentioned it a couple of times in the show and we've never really dived into it all that much but this guy is uh, Zay Jones and you've mentioned a couple of times this offseason that he could be your Tyler Boyd for the 2019 season so obviously we're right at the the eve of the season now and it seems to be that that has you know it hasn't been as loud a drumbeat as we did on Tyler Boyd last year but in terms of Zay, Zay Jones wh- what are your expectations from going into the season obviously there's a chance it doesn't work out but in that Buffalo offense uh, with Josh Allen at quarterback are you expecting that it will lead to a breakout season for him the signs from the bills themselves are are very depressing in uh in in this scenario because you definitely at this point get the impression that they want to build their offense around a vertical threat and a possession guy in john brown and cole beasley and you look at what they have done sort of from the the running back perspective now the running backs it was exciting to see them sort of clear the deck for for singletary there but at a certain point you would like to see the bills build around players who could be starting foundation players as opposed to this offense seeming to go back and building their entire offense around role players right the news that they are using jones on special teams the news that you know he was borderline to even make the roster now the reports obviously differed and and had some arguments in terms of whether or not that was the case it does certainly look like that they want to make him kind of a background guy however a special teamer as opposed to the focal point of their offense and i think that's unfortunate because when you look at what jones has done his numbers were not that different from guys like Corey davis dd westbrook mike williams last season and you look at that offense and you look at the opportunity there and you look at what he had to deal with right? I mean, you compare him to Westbrook, who now has exploded up the ranks, was taken in the fifth round of a draft that I did two days ago, and not without reason, right? I mean, there's a very good justification for Westbrook going that early. Obviously, the Jaguars appear to like him, whereas the Bills don't appear to like their guy. But you look at at Jones, both in terms of his collegiate resume and then what he has accomplished in Buffalo in the first two seasons, where really everything was unfavorable, then he would have been the perfect third-year breakout candidate, similar to what we got with Tyler Boyd last season, if the Bills just seemed to like him at all. But we also have to take into consideration the fact that they get to see him every day in practice. They're working with him. And if they don't like him, if, if he doesn't work in their offense, then, then it just simply doesn't work. But having John Brown and Cole Beasley as 
your go-to guys. I think it's unfortunate for everyone who's looking for this second-year breakout from Josh Allen because if he had the right guys there, this Bills offense could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and the other player here that you've mentioned uh, as we go through them is Curtis Samuel. And obviously there's the, the comparisons this year to see, you know, who do you want out of that Carolina uh, passing attack? Is it DJ Moore? Is it Curtis Samuel? Um, and then when you look back, you know, in terms of the comparison for uh, 20, 2018 on the, the road of his screener, you're looking at in terms of the difference, um, you know, overall, it's not as much of a gap as you'd expect in fantasy points, 145 points to 138. The big difference, though, that when you look at it and it's broken down into the raw stats is the major uh, part of Curtis Samuel's uh, points last season was the five touchdowns that he scored and he had 494 yards compared to DJ Moore with 734 yards and just the one touchdown so in terms of uh, the fantasy points over expectation there's a quite a gap there of 19 points between the two DJ Moore coming out on top for that but when you're breaking down those and we talk about you know regression and, and touchdown scores so five touchdowns off uh, 30 39 receptions is quite a high rate and um, obviously this season would be expecting DJ Moore to, to reach the end zone more times but when you look at Samuel and we, we have talked about him quite a bit we've talked about more a lot more than than Samuel but do you think that we have a situation come the end of the season where these guys are as close as they were last season of fantasy points i i certainly think more is going to be ahead of ahead of samuel but just how much i don't i i can't really pinpoint it but i don't think they'll be quite as as close as last year i still think more was the the better value at the adp that he was going at but where do you expect it to shake out at the end of the season do you think it's a clear one and a clear number two or do you think they're closer than that yeah, so I think this is a very exciting situation in Carolina. And I think it's going to be more of a 1A, 1B type of deal. Those stats that you gave us were from week 5 to week 17. So once Samuel got healthy last season and was really able to go out there and show what he could do, then the scoring between Moore and Samuel was pretty close. Now, as you mentioned, a lot of that was due to touchdowns. And Samuel also scored two rushing touchdowns. And I think this rushing ability, this ability with the ball in his hand, something that Moore also has, is what makes this offense so fun. If you've got Moore, if you've got Samuel, two of the best wide receivers in the entire nfl in terms of running with the ball you have christian mccaffrey who can get out there in space and then after he makes the catch is so good with the ball in his hands this offense is going to generate a ton of yards after the catch which is going to be really fun for the viewer you see these guys start to weave through traffic make guys miss in the secondary visually it's one of the most dynamic things that you get to watch on a sunday and so i uh, I think you have to have a ton of enthusiasm for both guys because they don't have a lot behind them. So those three players are going to get their touches and they're going to get their yards. It's possible that Greg Olson will also take a chunk out. But one of the reasons why I like these guys and think they can both do it compared to some other offenses is we're not looking at a lot of targets necessarily being siphoned off by a wide receiver three or targets being siphoned off by a wide receiver four. So I think we could see both guys actually get more volume than many people are projecting. You also have to consider that Samuel was a fantastic product prospect and almost certainly would have broken out previously if not for the injuries he dealt with. You go back a couple of years ago into some of our metrics as they came out of college and Samuel was number one in the Fiant index uh, right ahead of Juju Smith-Schuster at number two who obviously uh, is now a borderline first round draft pick. So I think we could see a similar jump from Samuel and really both of these guys. I don't think you have to pick between them. I think you could roster them both. And certainly I think as fantasy players, they could both break out this season. 
Yeah, and uh, I, I think the thing you mentioned there is that there's not a lot behind them, but if these guys stay healthy and you have Christian McCaffrey there, between the two of those and then the rushing ability of Cam Newton, I, I think the, the, the Panthers could be one of the more exciting offenses to watch. But the problem is if, if any of those four guys out of Newton, the two wide receivers, or McCaffrey go down, it could be a, a bleak season then as things turn around for the Panthers. But the other players you mentioned were... Um, Chris Godwin uh, we also mentioned uh, Mike Williams and the other player there was D.D. Westbrook and just something that you noted in that as well was with Marquise Lee and I, I don't know if you've drafted much of Marquise Lee this uh, offseason Sean but in terms of late round wide receivers he's somebody who I've kind of picked in, in all of those uh, best ball leagues that I've been drafting uh, I think that he he like he's kind of a forgotten about player he's obviously coming back from that injury but um, like I, I really like Westbrook but there is a chance you know, come week six, week seven, that Marquise Lee has has overtaken him again. What, what's your thoughts on Lee as a player uh, moving forward? Um, and do you think the people have kind of just forgotten about him because of the injury? I'm excited for Lee. He's always been one of my favorite guys, someone I was promoting sort of in that same Tyler Boyd kind of situation where I thought that he would break out. Kind of did, was starting to show us what we expected him to be uh, when he came into the NFL and then he sustains this injury and now it's a mystery right we really don't know what he's going to be able to offer I think that one of the or two of the most intriguing questions that we'll get to answer in week one are you know is Zay Jones going to be involved at all as we talked about and then where is Lee is he still even though he is now on the roster uh, is he going to be involved at all in the first month? You know, where is he in terms of his recovery? Because as you mentioned, if the recovery is there, then I think he will start to make an impact and will end up being sort of a co-number one with Westbrook in this offense. Again, this is a situation where both guys could end up doing just fine because beyond those two players, even though you know there are some positives for Chark, there are some positives for some of the the deep guys there you know we hear chris Connolly mentioned and and that has has really dissipated in the, the more recent past now it it comes down to westbrook and lee in this offense and if they can get it going with nick Foles, i think that'll be good for the jaguars and exciting development for, for us to watch but i i can't be perfectly unbiased about lee because i own him in so many places in almost all of the dynasty leagues and it'll be interesting to see what he can do in this first month of the season yeah i'm kind of in the same boat but you know i was just looking there at some of my drafts you know getting them in the 18th 19th 20th round i think that that's uh you know a significant like there's not really much risk at that point as you mentioned before the injury and it, it, like it was an injury just right at the start of last season so you know should be pretty much ready to go but as i always say all acl injuries and all knee uh, injuries aren't created equal so we'll see how he goes but uh Foles is actually somebody who I've been adding in there as well so quite a lot of my rosters have had the three of those and it's just for uh, values particularly in best ball but we're going to jump into overtime now we're going to look at a couple of players that we've kind of talked about in today's show and we're going to pick one to see who's going to have the the best season out of those guys so let's get to it So, Sean, it's a really simple concept here. We're going to pick the players who we have talked about, who may have the best season out of them, or who will have the best season. So, I've broken these into a couple of uh, lists, you know, kind of similar ADP, similar kind of profiles that we're expecting. So, let's hit on a couple of them now. So, first up, I just want you to give me the the one that you're you're most excited about, and I, I'm going to guess. Uh, I think I might have the right answer to this. Uh, it's DJ Moore, Calvin Ridley, and Chris Godwin. Which of those do you expect to have the the best fantasy season? We love all three of these guys, and Godwin was mentioned as someone I expect to break out 
in his third season here, but his ADP is absolutely crazy. He went in the third round of the draft that I mentioned earlier in the show. One of the reasons why, again, why I was taking a little bit of a different route. I'm going to go on a limb here and I say, and I've been saying it all off season. I think Calvin Ridley is going to have the biggest season of these guys. I think that next year at this time, he's going to be a, a round one, round two uh, turn pick. Yeah, and, and that's the player I thought you were going to go with. I, I would be going here uh, with DJ Moore. I'm excited, as I mentioned a moment ago, to see that Panthers offense. I'm really just going with DJ Moore to go a different route than you, but I have been taking him just a little bit more over Ridley this, this offseason. But you mentioned Godwin. I think it has. I mentioned that probably about five weeks ago. I thought his ADP was getting a little bit too high, but um, I think he's going to have a big season, but he was starting to get a little bit too expensive. Up next, we have uh, MVS of the Packers. We have D.D. Westbrook. We have, we have Christian Kirk, and we also have Curtis Samuel. So we talked about Samuel a moment ago so i'm interested here if you if you go that right again which of those four is uh and and for the big one i think it's going to be samuel i also like kirk i think that that offense perhaps does have the target split a little bit more and there may be a little bit more development with the new things that they're doing there love the other two guys i could certainly see westbrook especially if lee is not what you and i are hoping having a monster season but curtis samuel is going to break out into the big time he's going to be the guy out of that quartet who do you like i think when you say i think curtis samuel is the one that's most likely to break out i think then in terms of targets i think dd westbrook has the clearest run to targets i think kirk's problem is going to be just how they spread that around obviously crabtree could be there could be a bit of a progress stopper for him he obviously have fitzgerald so it's gonna be interesting to see but i think they could play a lot of four wide receiver sets this season so that might not affect him overall but i have to go with uh, curtis samuel i think you know i'm all aboard that dd westbrook uh, hype train but uh curtis samuel has to be the one that runs out here uh, up next is james washington who had some big plays in the preseason michael gallup of the cowboys and anthony miller of the bears who we touched on earlier out of those guys those guys are in a kind of crew that are are probably ready to take a jump if they can but miller was the only one that fit, fitted into that category that we talked about earlier in the show um which of those three guys do you think could could be ready to ready to go for 2019 well, this is the perfect trio to look at together because they have a lot of similarities in their profile. Talked about them as a group in the second year wide receiver breakout article. And like you mentioned, Miller has the best projection of the group and I think the best situation in his offense. It really will come down to the injuries he's had. He's been very banged up, but if he can get and mostly stay healthy, he would be my breakout pick out of that group. Which one do you like? Are you looking for James Washington to jump into the Antonio Brown, not necessarily roll, but into his shoes, take a big chunk of those targets? the problem there is you know i think he might be one year too early i think the problem is with the guys in front of him there at the moment um i haven't really bought in outside of juju i haven't really bought into a huge amount of this offense this off season um it's just the the, the players you know james connor going to his adp have kind of avoided that range uh, and then the other players there as well so i'm kind of avoiding that situation i think gallup is a player with a lot of talent but he's in an offense where he's not going to get a huge amount of volume i talked last year about how much i like amari cooper so we're all we're all going to get all the targets to Amari Cooper but uh, I think Gallup could turn into a good solid role player obviously you have somebody there that you know some people forget about the moves but uh, Cole Beasley has moved on it was a player who consistently got you know 60 to 80 targets in that offense so I think he could get a lot more targets this year so he's an interesting player if he can put it all together but I don't know how much is going to happen through the air in that offense so uh, Anthony Miller if, <laughs> it's just it's just Sean we have to start disagreeing with each other but Miller is my pick here so hopefully these last two we maybe have a different perspective next up 
was uh, McCoy, LaShawn McCoy. It's the, it's the Chiefs running backs. Uh, we have Williams and then we have uh, Darwin Thompson. So out of these guys, I know I know we love Darwin and we, we were hoping that he was going to get get some big, big opportunities this year. But when we're looking at it now after the trade and as a Chiefs fan, Sean, who out of these three is the, the highest point scorer at the end of the season? I mean, it's not going to be Darwin Thompson, right? But that's who I have to go with. I think that the exciting thing here, <laughs> if you wanted him in your drafts and you still have any drafts left or you're looking to make some trades, is that McCoy gives you a little bit of cover to now get a decent price. The price was starting to get you know, just unfathomably expensive for some of the hurdles he still had to go over. Now, McCoy introduces another very difficult hurdle, I think maybe a bigger hurdle than a lot of people are saying, but it also just makes him cheaper to the point where now I, I really like him where he's going to go. And by mid season, he's going to be the same guy who essentially got rid of Carlos Hyde, right? And LeSean McCoy is going to have to prove that he is a lot more than what Hyde was. And yeah, I, there's just too much excitement around what Thompson could potentially be for them to go with one of the other two guys. Yeah, I'm going to go against you here on this one. And uh, I was looking, um, you know, I mentioned Frank Gore. I was kind of like, that Buffalo Bills offense is probably going to be terrible, but they are going to run the ball quite a considerable amount of time. So when I was going, you know, with those kind of five or six running backs in those first seven or eight rounds, uh, I was trying to pick up where we could figure out points. And I mentioned Gore going in like the 20th round. Uh, I seen there, I, I have LaShawn McCoy quite a few times in the 13th, 14th round. So I thought of those chances. I, I mentioned earlier in the show, I thought McCoy was going to get cut. I have McCoy in some dynasty leagues was absolutely worth nothing to start the offseason so I just thought he was going to get caught and that was the situation so I think coming in Williams was a player I've talked about I was was afraid of his ADP based on his past workload and his past production and that's why I like Darwin so much and obviously his talent as well but McCoy I think is the guy who ends up having the the best production out of these three this offseason so it's going to be interesting to see how those all shake out it's going to be a fun season ready for it ready for week one as I mentioned at the start of the show special show next week with Davis Maddox uh, myself and Sean so do come along and listen to that one um, and until we're back with another one this has been Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio my name is Colin Kelly you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland my co-host is Sean Siegel make sure you're following all the action on rotoviz.com and with that until we're back with the next one have a good one Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. There's ghosts haunting these woods and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and Pat, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. This September at local area Subway restaurants, your meal purchase will help our neighbors in need. Purchase a sub, drink, and chips and help us donate 200,000 meals to local Feeding America food banks. Subway meal includes any sub, salad, or wrap with any drink and chips or two cookies. For every two meals purchased through September 30th, participating Subway restaurants will donate one meal up to 200,000 meals to San Francisco and East North South Bay Area food banks. One meal is the monetary equivalent of 10 cents. Meals secured by Feeding America on behalf of local member food banks. So pick up a great meal and make a difference in the community. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.